This golf course is tough. Winning a tournament's tough. Winning a major is tough. And I just tried to stay patient. And um, I felt when I somehow got myself in that playoff, I, you know, it's time to just go get after it and get it done. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Have we all woken up yet? Have we all got over the snooze fest that was the USPGA? Or am I being too harsh? We will find out over the next hour or so. Michael McEwen here. Thank you very much for tuning in. Lots to digest after uh, another men's major championship. Lots to pick apart. Many, many talking points. And I think... I think there could be some contention here, some opinions getting flung about. So, with no further ado, let's introduce some bunkered editor, Bryce Ritchie. Hello there, how are you? I'm fine. Good, good morning. I'm good suspecting morning. that's the end of any strategic partnerships with the PGA of America. Ah, let's be honest, they were gone <laughs> long ago. <laughs> yeah. So, we'll get to the PGA in a second, but first... What's happening in the world of Bryce Ritchie? What's happening in the world of Bunkered? Is there stuff going on that people need to know about? The world of Bryce Ritchie? It's not really that interesting, to be fair. <laughs> I went to the gym last night and I can walk today, so that's a good sign. Excellent, excellent. No, there's nothing else going on. It's a sign you're not lifting enough. Well, yes, because <laughs> I couldn't walk last week, so yeah. So no. tell the listeners what you were telling me just before we hit record. You... We're struggling to lift so, just the bar. No yes, weights on just I was the bar. Doing, yeah, I was doing squats last night. Which I'd pay to see. Yep. And um, stick that on me. I was doing my warm up, and you meant to do a warm up with just the bar. And I realised I was struggling to do the warm up because <laughs> I couldn't get back up <laughs> with just the bar. <laughs> So that's, I think, I think if you look in the coaching manual, that's a bad sign. <laughs> in the coaching manual? Yeah, that's a bad sign. That was just a joke. I don't have a coaching okay. manual. I've got the internet. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but progress. Yes. Small steps. So is progress. this, we've been here before, I'm sure long time listeners will be familiar with your uh, your dalliances with the gym, your, your fleeting visits. Is this like a year ago when it was all Operation Bulk and Project Bryson? Are we heading back to yeah, that? Yeah, it's not. It's not Project Bryson. I'm now trying to lose weight. All right, I, okay. I was trying to add weight last time, so yeah. So you, you have no idea what you're doing, basically? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. And it involves less time in the gym, which is a lot better, and uh, being a bit more careful in the kitchen. Right, okay. Uh, the kitchen is the issue because I don't know if many other listeners have this situation but my, my wife can't cook and when she does she's not very, two minutes she's not very good 58 at 58 seconds is the point at which Bryce Ritchie signed his own death warrant. yeah no she knows that she admits this oh, she right, just can't okay. be bothered cooking so I have to make all the effort and I, I after a while it's just tiring mm -hmm. can't be bothered I make every meal oh do you yeah you share the cooking duties in McEwen household don't you she listens to this bit so so yes mm. Unofficially. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't do as much as I should, but I'm a phenomenal cook. I, I, the thing is, I'm, I'm not good at just, if you give me a whole bunch of ingredients, like remember Ready Steady Cook, where they would show up with like a a, a, a two-week-old tangerine, yeah, a, a bit of pork just, chop. No, I'm like, how do I make Is that the programme nice? where they made like how to scramble an egg in eight seconds and all that crap? Perhaps. That was a lot of bollocks. But if you give me a recipe, no bother. I can, I can follow it to the letter and I can do a good job, but... Apart from that, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most creative of chefs. I'm a, I'm a doer rather than a creator. Yeah, I need a tour chef, a tour, a tour right. chef, somebody to like a live-in chef. Okay, that would be good. 
Okay, let's let's move on from that. Let's digest that and ah. move on. You like that? Yep. No, no. Let's let's go to the USPGA because that consumed ah. our weekends. I'm I'm going to leave them there. Okay, that's yep. fine. But it was. Where do you start with it? I mean, there's as I said at the top, there's a lot we need to get through. A lot of players we need to take a proper look at. But initial thoughts on last week's PG at Southern Hills: liked it, loved it, hated it. Where are you? It was completely forgettable. With the greatest of respects to Justin Thomas, one of the good guys, love him. I'm a little bit disappointed that he won that major. Why? Because it's just going to be remembered as a turgid bore fest. And that his name is attached to that is a bit disappointing for me because I think he deserves better than that. I thought it was dull from the off Thursday. Now, admittedly, it got a bit better on Saturday night and a little bit better on Sunday, but not by a huge amount. Thursday was like a boring PGA Tour event at an ugly venue. And nothing happened. The leaderboard was boring, even with Rory at the top. I just thought, this is, there's nothing happening. You made a very good point that the, how do we say this? The broadcast, the nature of it didn't help matters. And I agree with that. Yep, 100%. But yeah, I thought it was dull. What else do you want to say? You know, I'm with you though. You, and I think you know I am. We exchanged a few texts over the weekend. Our first text was, I'm bored. Correct. And I, I put the same thing out on, on Twitter. I noticed you didn't because, you know, you don't have the same strength of your convictions as I do and you probably didn't want the pile on. But I did, actually. But Did you? Yes. How did I miss that? Anyhow, it, it was dull. I don't think we're saying anything that's unfair in that regard. There were, And I tried to think, you know, why am I bored? You know, it's a major championship. They happen four times a year. Why am I fed up watching this and... I quickly realised it wasn't one thing on its own. It was a combination of factors. A lot of people loved that golf course. And I can kind of see why. The last couple of holes are quite good. That drivable par four is great. The the 18th, hit your shots or you're not winning this tournament. So a good couple of holes to finish. But beyond that, I found the course a bit underwhelming. I thought it was definitely lacking a little bit of stardust at the top end of the leaderboard throughout. I don't care what anyone says, look. Mito Pereira would have been a fantastic story. Cameron Young, yeah, it's great to see these guys going deep. It's great to see different players and different names, but you still need the big names up there. Uh -huh. John Ram, Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Xander Schofley, Patrick Cantley, Victor Hovland, total non-factors. There were too many. There were a, an astounding number of players, never mind the top 10, but the top 20 in the world that just were never really a factor in it. Totally. And that contributes to the mundane... Uh, viewing experience it just does i think the yeah look let's talk about the commentary as well people will say i'm conflicted because i, I do stuff for sky sports i'm happy to call it out and i think that if they were to watch it back the guys would agree it was lacking in energy i'm not saying that anyone's a bad commentator i'm not saying anyone did a bad job i'm saying it was flat and there needs to be i think a bit more energy and enthusiasm when it comes to a major, to give it points of difference to a regular it was a different, event. It was a different broadcast network in the States, mm -hmm. which I think contributed to it, because little things like the sound, the sound didn't match the viewing experience. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to say, but you couldn't hear the crowd. It's like you were watching highlights. Yeah. That's what actually, it was like. Yes. You know, we get fake crowd noise. <laughs> That's what it felt like. 
little things like the graph. Do you know what? When you look at the open, you see the open branding. And this year you'll see 150th everywhere and you'll see the open. Yes, the open has partners, but they don't scream in your face. It's done subtly. It adds to the event. The PGA just looked like, here's all our partners. Like National Car Rental, something like AIG, blah, blah, blah. And I just, you looked at all the branding on the boards, mm-hmm. and I thought, that looks like a tour event. Yeah. Do you know what looked better? Live Series looked better than yes. that. Yes. Live Series screamed branding. It actually reminded me of the 97 Ryder Cup in Spain. Yeah. It was sponsored by Johnny Walker. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a different yeah. looking event. It didn't look special. Yes, it, it doesn't. Like a good event. That's it. It didn't look like... It was a major. Ironically, mm. their tagline was "This is major," and it didn't look like that. Maybe just, they meant it sarcastically. Yeah, and it's just little things like that, as you said, lots of small things that contributed to yep. being just not that great. So this is where we are with the USPGA, though, isn't it? Because if there's <laughs> one major that can't afford to get details wrong, it's probably that one. Because, as we mentioned last week and have done so many times, it doesn't have much of an identity, and. I think I made this point to you as well. It's losing ground on the other three. It was always the fourth, let's be frank. But that's never been a bad thing. You'd rather be the fourth best event in golf than the fifth. But it is losing ground on the other three because they invest. And you look at what the Open's done since 2015 with the new branding and how it's accelerated its profile. The Masters is yeah. The Masters doesn't need to. And you know what? When, When we saw that new Open branding, the first thing I thought was, I don't like that. But you works. said that the same yeah, thing as well. Exactly. I don't like that, but it's worked. I think we didn't like it. It does it work. Different. It's new. Yeah. The, the, but I, the PGA is falling behind. Yeah. And I actually think the gap between four and five, if we're saying the players is the fifth, that's, that's narrowing. The, the players, the players blows that out of the water. Big time. And that's, I would never have said that a year ago. However, it's one year. And I do think the course contribute, the course is usually the story at these majors. And the course contributed to that. I thought the course looked a little bit boring. It looked dull. Visually on TV, it didn't sit. And I thought the long par threes were just bore fests. Yeah. And I'm all for throwing in a bit of strategic, you know, make them think. But you could see some players were, were actually just hammering their iron shots to try <laughs> and get there. And you've got a guy hitting a five wood a par three. That's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No professional golfer should be hitting a five wood at a par three. Yeah. Don't care what anyone says. It's, that's not what par threes are for. I, I absolutely agree. I think there's a lot of people out there who agree with that as well. We're going to come back to the long par threes because there's stuff I want to add there. But on the whole, it was an underwhelming championship. Yeah. But let's not forget, 12 months ago, we were sitting in a totally different place. We just witnessed something record-breaking on an absolutely phenomenal golf course. And we weren't making any kind of critique about the PGA because good winners and good venues can mask a lot of things. Yes. What we have seen here is that actually when you have a poor tournament, not so much a bad winner, but when you have a poor championship on a forgettable golf course, it exposes all of the stuff that has been papered over, if you like. There are a lot of cracks that the PGA of America cannot afford to paper over because if they don't do something, where are they going to be in 10 years' time? We've seen how far the players has come. Take the piss all you want about gold man. My God, that event has an identity like you wouldn't believe. PGA, there's a lot. There's a lot of hard work that goes into the background of that. And the USGA, whether you liked it or not, sat down, God knows how many years ago, to say we're this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. We're going to be the hardest event to win. 
This is going to be the toughest test. We're going to examine every single part of your game. And the PGA, it looks as though they haven't done that. They haven't figured out what they are. They only really do one big event in golf. They're involved in in the Ryder Cup. And the, the ironically, the ironic thing in the, when they're involved in the Ryder Cup is that they don't. There's not much strategy that goes into an American Ryder Cup course. It's just basically open it up wide, no rough, go. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So Davis Love turned up and says, "Take all the trees away and take all the rough away." Great, thanks. Done. So you want a big field, Davis? Yes. Yep. That's so they don't have much involvement in that. So I give them a bit of leeway. However, they've got to sit down and come up with something. To make it a bit more of a a major stage, yeah. So it doesn't look like that, yeah, exactly. Should is it, it the Valero Texas Open or is it yeah. the PGA? Because they've they've got the top. Do they make it hard, or do they find a little bit of middle ground, or do they make it? Do they make it the one major where it's a bit of a shootout? But then when that happens, you tend to get guys that go hot one week and have no issues. You can get a guy that just turns up and plays well first time out of twenty five weeks in the year. Suddenly he's won a major and you think, well, that's not an examination of your skills. Uh-huh. So the middle ground is the hardest place to be for the PGA and they're really struggling. Yeah, points of difference is what we're talking about and, you know, how you give it that identity that it's now a cliche that it's, it's lacking. I asked the question on our Facebook channel, how do you improve it? Because let's be honest, this is the easiest job in the world. We can sit here and we can criticise it. The harder thing is, to do it. how do you make it better? Yeah, yeah. So it was interesting to canvas some opinions Dean Barrow, this is a popular one, it has to be, so it wasn't just Dean that suggested this, but play it around the world. Golf is a global game, but the majors are only played in the US and Britain. I agree with it. I have championed for years the need to take the PGA around the world, stick it in Australia, take it to Kingston Heath, take it to South Africa, play it at Fancourt, take it down to South America. Not saying every year, but once every four, move it around and make it the global one. PG of America is never going to do never going to happen. Never. John Canshi, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, John. Mike up all the caddies, he says. Again, I quite like it. Will it make it a better tournament? No. Will it make it a better viewing experience? Potentially. But I suspect some of the commentators might just find a way to talk all over it anyway. Oh. Dave Barnes, increase the number of PGA pros that get to play in it. It's their tournament that the PGA Tour has hijacked after all. Dave. Get him blocked. Dave, 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 Dave. It's not the PGA Tour hijacking anything. (laughs) Let's let's get this right once and for all. PGA of America, PGA Tour, different things. And if you want more PGA pros playing in it, no. 20 PGA pros playing that event. Name me five. Mm -hmm. I think there is a change they could make there, though. It's the top 20 PGA professionals in America that get in. No. Who, who wants 18th, 19th and 20th in that leaderboard? Bring in the top PGA player in Australia, in South Africa, in the UK. Give those guys around the world something to play for. But again, PG of America, highly unlikely to go for that. I don't think they have passports. Alan Gilmore. This wow. Is a- <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out in Italy if they're there next year. <laughs> and if they are, it might be the last time I am. Alan Gilmore, again, a very popular suggestion. Put it back to August again. Bryce, why is that not likely to happen? Well, there's other events in August and the whole schedule of the FedEx Cup, the Ryder Cup, everything's got a bit murky and the PGA Tour 
are heavily influential in the way the calendar of the year works. So I would highly doubt that's going to happen. Is the May date working for or against the PGA though? Put it this way, nobody complained. We weren't really complaining about the PGA last year when Phil no. won it. Do you know why? Because it was a cracking golf course. And a phenomenal story. Cracking golf course, a phenomenal story. The golf course has got a big part to play in this. I don't believe they've got anything huge to do, but they're going to have to take it to a golf course that fits. I thought that was a bore fest. I thought it looked ugly. The weather didn't help, but it just didn't. It's like you're playing into greens that all just looked flat. You couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Like down the middle of the fairway, it just looked like they're playing into the ether. It just, where's the it's green? So tr- you know, it's. I think the courses that they visit, you know, they they luck out with Kiowa, but then you've got Bell Reeve, Balters Roll. I'm not saying they're bad courses, but are they? Oh my God, this is a major week courses. Yeah. I'm not sure they are. The no. U.S. Open has got the best ones. Well, they've always had that fight. USGA and the PGA fight. That's why years ago there was courses getting picked for US Opens and PGAs and Ryder Cups like 14 years in advance because they're tying down a contract so that you don't get our course. It's not. They always appear to be losing. Final comment from the, the readers, Stuart Miller. I kind of like this one, actually. Random pistol shootouts. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> I think Stuart likes his Western movies. Right. <laughs> That's one way of settling it. I'm not sure I like the three-hole playoff, but if it was like, draw at high noon. Yeah. Would watch that. Yeah. Anyhow, let's look at some of the runners and riders. Start with Justin Thomas, your your good, close, personal friend, Bryce. I'm sure you've obviously been in touch with him to pass on your congrats and all that. Second person he called after Tiger, I'm sure. But I'm interested to get your insights on him because, joking aside... It's still less than 12 months since you played with him at the Renaissance. He has a major champion now for the second time. I was looking at his record last night. 15 PGA Tour titles. He's won two majors, two WGCs. He's won the players. He's been world number one. Played Ryder Cup teams, President's Cup teams. 49 million in the bank. 12th to the career money list as we know I love in the PGA Tour. It's pretty special. And he's shot a 59. That is a Hall of Fame career and he's not yet 30. Mm -hmm. What what is it about? Yeah, him? no, he's he's an exceptional talent. I read a really good piece on PGAtour.com that was posted a couple of years ago with his dad, Mike, my old swing coach. <laughs> and Google that because it's fascinating. And it tells you all about his insights into how he how he taught Justin. I didn't realise his dad had a pretty different relationship with Justin's grandpa. He's who late, was also a pro. Was right? also a pro that his grandpa was pretty tough on his dad. And right. Justin's dad said, I was never going to be like that with my son. Let him do what he wants. And there was stories like, you know, he would say to Justin, why don't you why don't you just go inside now and just go and play computer games or go and watch really? TV? Like, chill out. You don't need to be in the range all day. And so he was like, all right, okay. And then he would get up the next morning and he would look over at the range and there would be 11-year-old Justin Thomas hitting balls, at, you know, half nine in the morning. And he would say, what's going on? He said, I got bored. You know, Justin Thomas used to practice for nine hours a day when he was 11 years old. And that's different. That's something that's coming he from He wants within. to do it 100%. That's not someone imposing it yes. on you. Yeah. I think that the, the relationship is pretty key to his success because I think they work really well together. 
And he, I think he said, you know, I don't want him to be out there as my dad. I want him to be out there as telling me what to do and mm-hmm. rights and wrongs and interesting. But he's a great talent. I remember talking to a US journalist that said a couple of years ago that Justin Thomas is a phenomenal player, but every now and then he has brain farts, which can really halt him. And if you look at some of the big tournaments he's been involved in, he does look as though he has these moments which every player has, but sometimes they happen a bit more when you have more than one. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, it's like a train wreck, keeps happening. And he had, you know, he shank. On, on Sunday you think, oh my God. And you remember thinking, is this it? But his recovery was superb. I did think on the Saturday, if he could hang in, he's a fearful player. No, I don't think you'd want to be playing him in a playoff. Go through his record. I don't think anyone would want to play him. But he's now... He's now put himself in, he's now out of that, I've won one major, and that's tricky. I think it would have sucked if he'd gone through another few years with one major, considering if he's done. He's now got two. Do I think he'll get five? 100%. Really? 100%. So why? Because he's he's now past that hurdle of one. His one was a few years ago. 17, yeah. Yeah. So that that's actually a long time. I think he's got bags of talent. He's hugely respected. There isn't really anything that he can't do. And I think he's got the best system around him. And as I know you're going to say, he's got one of the absolute best caddies in the world. And to be honest, he already had that. With Jimmy? Yep. He's like the model tour pro. He is, isn't he? If I wanted my wee boy to be a tour (laughs) pro, I'd want him to be Justin Thomas. The thing I like about him as well is that he's not one-dimensional. You know, you look at the way he moves the ball and it's a total two fingers to the people who say, well, the modern equipment and modern ball doesn't allow you to do this. Thomas was shaping shots like it was nobody's business. And I love that about him because you don't know what shot he's going to hit until he sets up to it. So he has the ability to shift the ball and, you know, high draws, low hooks. He he has the the whole lot. I, I like watching him because... He does things that a lot of other modern players, I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of players who are flat-track bullies mm-hmm. who play one way, and the PGA Tour, the way it sets up, allows them to be that. Uh-huh. Thomas does things slightly differently, which is great to watch. You're right, I do want to comment on Bones. Noticeable the conversation that they had on Saturday night where Bones basically told them to get out of his own way. You know, you're being quite negative, you're being hard on yourself. Yeah, so I, I'll be honest, I, I don't actually know a huge amount about that. Tell me what... What's the deal there? I think Thomas was just quite down on himself and the way he was what, is playing. This, this the on-the-range conversation? Yeah, that's the one. And Bones effectively said to him, why are you so upset? Okay, you're seven shots back, but that's not insurmountable. Mm-hmm. You know, flick the mindset. Rather than thinking about all the bad stuff that's going on, let's talk about the positives. You're still in this championship. You've, you know what it takes to win this championship. You are Justin Thomas. You've got a great record and you're a great golfer. Go out tomorrow, shoot the lowest number you can. See what it takes you. Mm-hmm. That is your caddy stepping up when it matters. I think Bones brings something to Thomas that he'd been lacking. In much the same way as Ted Scott has transformed Scotty Scheffler. Whether it's a, a, a freshness, uh, that you're working with somebody new that gives you that support. Also, you have faith and total confidence in him because Bones knows what it's like to win major championships. Yeah. He won five with Mickelson. So Thomas can get something off the back of that. This guy's been there before. Mm-hmm. Many times. Ah, knows how to win, knows how to there. lose. So uh-huh. I think he's been been pretty influential. 
Mito Pereira. One and a half hands on the Wanamaker. Yeah, I, I wouldn't class it as a, a... Yeah, it was a bit of a disaster. But I think you should see it as a learning curve. To be honest, he probably had no right to be there. Where did he come from? You know, it's a it's a total learning experience. And I think he'll be he'll probably be better for it if he's strong enough. A lot of guys get in that position and then completely collapse. They don't go anywhere. I'm hoping he's different. It wasn't as bad as I think some people are making out. I know there's been a few comparisons to Van de Velde and so on. Van de Velde was different. Van de Velde was a, a combination of horrific decision-making and horrendous bad luck. Genuinely horrendous bad luck. Would you not class Pereira's tee shot on 18 as bad decision-making? I think he'd hit that all day. It wasn't a shot that was new to him. So it's one of those but ones, you, what do you do? And that's it. To it, some it, degree it was because there's adrenaline. There's It's different. You're two swings away from winning a yeah, major. Yeah, but then you could turn around and say the same thing about Dustin Johnson when he won. And he's rifled one down 18. And everyone thought, why is he hitting driver on 18 when he doesn't need to with respect you're talking about a guy that had 15 PGA Tour wins yeah, at that point and yeah. had lost majors yeah but he's playing he's playing what he knows how to he, he's doing what he knows what to do best and that's hit that ball where he knows it's going to go there's a self-confidence that comes with that he pretty much admitted he hit the shot that he wanted to hit but effectively he got a bit nervous and fluffed it and that's he could have done the same playing safe you know there's always that argument. Do you play safe and hit a shot that you've not really hit all day in order to try and steer one out there? Or do you hit the shot that you've been hitting all day and hope it comes off? Do you think he'd hit the shot again? Same shot, same club? Probably would. Probably. But he's never going to get that chance. And that's that's how brutal it is. He'll have made a lot of money. He'll have helped his rankings. And he'll have given himself an idea of what it what it's like to be in that position. And he's coming back next year, he's in the next major. There's, yeah. there's an awful lot of positives. An awful lot of positives. It's going to hurt though. I think, I'd, I'd love to know how he is now. So this is Tuesday morning, 48 hours, not even on from it. He's had a couple of nights sleep to digest it. I'd like to see how he is now because now it should be sinking in. Yeah. I thought in the media aftermath, I want to give him massive props for speaking to the press. Others didn't. And I'm going to come on to that. But I think that showed grace and defeat. Yeah. I think it'll help him. Maybe it was a bit of catharsis for him as well to verbalise it, to, to speak to people and to explain in that immediate aftermath, here's how I am. To also explain what his decision making yeah, was, yeah, his strategy. That, yeah. So, but that again is different. That's right after you're still in the moment. So how is he now? I'd, yeah, that, I'd love that, to know. And how, how we'll get back from it is mm. you, you'll get a really good understanding of what kind of guy he is because some people are able to bounce back. You take Jordan Spieth from the Masters. Jordan Spieth bounced back. He's had some crap to deal with, but that boy has bounced back big style. He has. Others don't. You look at Molinari. Molinari's oh. never, never recovered. Has never recovered. I don't care what anyone says. That guy was one of the best ball strikers in the game for about seven months. He was flushing it. And he's never recovered. Yeah, totally agree. I think I've seen him three times since then. Mm -hmm. Zalatoris. <laughs> Everyone wants to talk about his putting, and I get it. But at some point, we're going to have to point out that this guy is mega impressive 
as a golfer. The putting is what it is. Okay, right. It, we could do a whole podcast on why he seems to struggle from five feet and in. And not enough for me is being said about the rest of his game. T to green, phenomenal. You talk about ball striking and Molinari and so on. My word, Zalatoris's ball striking is off the charts good. Even on the greens, his long putting, his lag putting, is actually pretty stellar. Yeah. But people just want to fixate on this one part of the game. And they are missing the fact that he has now got, I think, eight, sorry, no, five top eight finishes in something like eight major starts. It's it's phenomenal, considering he has a huge part of his game that's a bit worrying. And I know you, you, you can't ignore it, but he's number one in TT green strokes gained. He's number one approach to green strokes gained. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> but his putting is, without doubt, it's dodgy. And his stats are dodgy. 185th strokes gained putting, yeah. I think he is. I mean, he, his putting stats are terrible. The problem is, well, it's not a problem, it's absolute advantage. He turns up at majors and he's able to get round it. Considering his liabilities, the guy's phenomenal. Do you see where I'm coming from? That it's it's just now a bit, it's a bit boring, and I think it'd be a bit lazy just to fixate well, on that one thing. To be fair, it's nothing new. That's but I found that quite interesting. A lot of people seem to be stunned by it. This is not new. This is about a year old. His putting strokes not changed, but it's almost like a lot of people had seen it for the first time. The other thing about it is, he repeats it. I don't know how many yeah, old PGA pros I've seen. I have no idea how he repeats it, but he <laughs> does. That's the thing. It's a repeatable stroke. And the one thing I've always been told by every pro I've ever seen is try to get something that's repeatable, get a process. Yeah, I, I, but I'm not saying you teach it. I'm not saying you want it, but at least it's it's the same problem time yeah, and time he's, again. He's not got so much of a swing arc on his putting as some sort of like a, a right, arm, right angle <laughs> move. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's terrible. Let's be honest, you would never teach that. But uh, is it repeatable? The amount of times he missed putts from five, six feet, it's quite a few. But he's not the only guy that oh, missed God, five, six feet. It's just um, if he if he didn't have that stroke, you wouldn't be talking about yeah. it. But he does have that stroke. And he's the only one in tour that does. And it is, a, whatever you talk about it, it's a very, it's not even a stroke. It's, a, it's an attempt at a yeah. hit. I'm, I'm not sure he's the only one in tour that has it. I mean... Good morning, Billy Horschel. There, there are others out there with issues. Oh, the thing for me that's really God, I felt that. The thing for me that's really interesting with Zalatoris is that when he misses from say five six feet, he completely misses the hole. You know, there's daylight between the the edge of the ball closest it, to the hole and the it, hole itself. It's an attempt at a jab. It is what Sergio Garcia was verging on a few yes. years ago. Garcia was verging on just being a horrendous putter. And that is the yips. What I found interesting is no one said that at the weekend. What he's got is the yips. That is what the yips is. He's struggling to take the putter back and bring it through the path. Yeah. Struggling to do that. That is exactly what the yips is. You can't do that. That's why he, what is he? Is he 25 years old? About that. I think he's 25. That's why he holds the putter like that. There's no other reason. He's trying to take his hands out of the equation and do it as, as as an upper body move because if he puts with his hands just for... He's hook, he's hitting that ball off the green because he has the yips. Putting itself is an art. Some guys are good at it because it is just a bit of calming that allows you to get the ball near the hole. Other guys crap themselves. 
and their brain sends signals to the hands saying, <laughs> I just can't, I don't care what he's, he can't do it. But when he's 10, 15 feet out, he's a bit calmer. Interestingly though, he's eight under. So the aggregate scores for the first two majors, he's eight under for the Masters and USPG. There's only one player better off than him on nine under, and that is Rory. Which leads us neatly on positives. Well, he got the Thursdays out of the way, didn't he? <sighs> we were saying this last week, if Rory can just get off to a good start, you've got to, you've got to fancy his chances. He got off to a more than good start. Off to a great start. And then wasn't seen again until Sunday early afternoon, when by that point, <laughs> once again, he had too much work to do. Looked for a minute like he might actually do some of that work. People got awfully excited. And as soon as he got himself back in contention, wheels came off again. So, Bryce, I'm going to defer to you. Rory McIlroy, what did we learn and where is he at? But you're a Rory fan. You should go first. But you're going to defer to me, aren't you? It's the beauty of being the host. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely interested to hear uh, I... I don't. I like Rory. I don't want to say anything overly negative, but I think mentally, he's obviously not there. Clearly, because he got exactly where he wanted to go. It's just not happened. Rory in January said he wanted to hit sixty percent of his fairways because that he hits the ball further than most other players, and that will put him in a really good position. And he does hit sixty percent of his fairways. But then that's where his problems start. Greens and regulation. Number one on tours, John Ram. Number 13 is Morikawa, who I actually think that's high. That is high. He he's not be, having a good year. He Morikawa. should be top five and he's not playing well. Put it this way, Morikawa's not playing well and he's 13th in greens and regulation. Rory is 63rd. You're not going to compete if you cannot hit a green. From 75 to 100 yards, he's 182nd. Say what you want about Will Zalatoris' putting, and people do. Rory, in that category, is as bad as Zalatoris' strokes uh-huh. gain putting. 100%. He's miles away. That's amongst the worst on tour. You don't, 100, see no, you don't see anybody talking about that on Twitter. Funny that. For 100 yards to 125 yards, he's 175th <sighs> on tour. And from 50 to 125, he's 178th. I said this at the Masters. With an iron in his hand, he looks like he's shitting himself. Because he can't get it done. He's not good enough. He has a problem from the middle of the fairway. Now, whether that is a swing issue or pulling the trigger, I suspect it's the latter. Because, Mental. yeah, he Rory is now in a bad place from the middle of the fairway. Actually, most other parts of his game is pretty good. His driving isn't that bad. But he's not deadly enough. And if, if you're not getting the ball where you want to get it on the green, I'm not talking about the hole, I'm talking about your target, you're going to struggle. And that's what happened to him. He's just not able to execute. It feels to me sometimes like Rory is desperately trying to find whatever it was he had in 2011, 2012. But that was a different stage in his life. He played differently. He played yeah. with a different attitude. And it's like he's trying to put that lightning back in the bottle. That ain't easy to do. That's why he's gone down rabbit holes like the the Pete Cowan adventure and so on and so forth. Because he can't find that lightning, he's trying to find something else. 
and it's just it's just not happening which is very disappointing even more disappointing is how he's responding to that and I'm going to do something I don't often do on this podcast and that's have a go at Rory not speaking to the media Saturday and Sunday is unacceptable I don't care what you've shot when you are a player of as high a profile as he is and all that the the press want is two minutes of your time give them it because my god you'll happily give them 30 minutes at the start of the week when things are rosy because you haven't had a shot you'll happily give them all the time they want three hours according to rich beam is when you win the pga to fulfill your media duties you'll happily give them all that you will use the media when it suits you but you're not playing fair you're not playing the game the way it's meant to be played there are guys who are at that event who have covered Rory for a long time Get and nothing. who do it well and they no, got nothing. I know. I'm looking at guys like Ewan Murray, James Corrigan, Derek Lawrenson, guys who've covered Rory from the start and they are more than fair. Okay, they, they do it right. They've gone there, not in private jets. They don't have private chefs. I guarantee they're not staying in the same quality of digs. And they're doing their jobs. All they need is a couple of minutes of his time. And I think it speaks for where Rory's at this moment in time I think very that you can't said. give it to him. Yeah, so I absolutely. think that's really poor. Compare and contrast with Mito Pereira. People will say, yeah, but it's different. He's never been there before and it's easy to give time when you're a rookie. Yes, but I'll tell you something else. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods has routinely given his time. Has he skipped media duties on occasion? Yes. But this is a habit now with Rory. Mm-hmm. And it's a habit with other players too for balance. Mm-hmm. And it's not right. And I get, I get there's people listening to this right now, Bryce, that are going, oh, but you're a journalist, of course you'd moan. Listen, I can write a story on Rory without giving me quotes. Piece of cake. But I think it say, I think that says all about where he is mentally. He's not happy. He's not, not a happy camper. And he started in January. Rory started in January and he was bouncing in that Abu Dhabi press conference. Uh, you know, he talked about... He wanted to win five, six times. He'd never done that before in the season. He wanted to win the race to Dubai. He wanted to win the FedEx. He wanted to get 60% in his fairways. He want, Because if he did that, he would start executing more chances than most other players because he hits it further than them. It's not been great since then. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but everybody in the top 50 wants to do that. And I know. They can. But to be fair, he was asked to share his goals, and he did. Mm-hmm. But he's obviously a bit unhappy that he's actually nowhere near those goals. Another thing is that it, it is an issue Proximity to hole, Hovland is 19th. Justin Thomas is 9th. Dustin Johnson is 8th. And Morikawa is 6th. And proximity to proximity hole. To what are we hole. looking at there? So it's the average distance the ball comes to rest from the hole. It's quite simple. Is that so, from any distance? Yeah. Right. Okay. So th- there's, his, there's his rivals in the position of like 6th, 8th, 9th, and 19th. Rory is 99th. Oh my God. It's not great. And you're you're not given give yourself the best opportunity to win these events when you are that poor from the middle of the fairway. It's interesting that he doesn't get savaged because people like Rory. I like Rory. I think Rory's our big star. But he doesn't play he hasn't played like one for quite a few years. And we keep talking him up. And I know that, you know, it would surprise me if he won a major this year. I think at the US Open, I think that's going to be too difficult for him. I wouldn't discount him at St Andrews because it's that type of course. He's and he's got, got form. He's got form there. But 
We are going to be doing this again. That is it. The first week in April, we'll be doing a Masters preview pod and we'll be saying, right, Rory, where are we? <laughs> and it's just, it, it, I feel as though we've been doing this for three, four years now. And I noticed quite a few people, people had some comments. It was a really good thread. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Kyle Porter. Put on a thread about all the, the players who are stuck on two, three, four majors and who's going to get to yeah, five and six. Yeah, Kyle, yeah, very good. Who's going to get to five and six? Hardly anyone said Rory. Yeah. Quite a few people said he's not winning anymore. That, can you imagine that? Yeah. And yet, I'm looking at, again, this was Kyle that compiled this one. The the, the low aggregate score through the first two majors. He has minus nine. No one's better than him. So Zalatoris minus eight. Thomas, six. Cam Smith, five. Lowry, is three, Fitzpatrick's one, Fleetwood's one, nobody else is better than even. Rory is clearly capable of shooting some kinds of scores. It's that ability to thread them together for four rounds. And that Thre- has to be mental. Threading them together for four rounds involves being in the zone. It involves mm. being in full control of your game. Remember Steve Williams' comment about Tiger at Hoylake in the, in the warm-up on yeah. the Sunday morning. Yep. Steve Williams said... Tiger could pretty much hit his balls on the range anywhere he wanted. He would say, hit it there, hit it to the 150, hit it to the 170, hit it to the 170. Anywhere he wanted, Tiger hit it there, absolutely dialed in. Steve Williams said, I knew we were going to win that day. <laughs> I knew we were going to win. He probably looked down the range and saw what Sergio was wearing. And he, that, I, that helped, that Matthews. Helped. He could hit it anywhere. Rory is nowhere near that confident with his game. And I think some other players, when they're in, in easing reasonably confident, they're ahead of them. Yeah. I think you, Rory's constantly on the back foot. It's so funny you say about being in the zone. I think the, the truly, truly great players over history, and there's only been a handful of those, if we're being honest, but I'm talking about Jack, I'm talking about Tiger, they were able to get in the zone. There's a difference between being able to get into it and just finding it, stumbling into it, and Rory does that. He stumbled into the zone at the Masters on Sunday. I've said it before. He's not very good at grinding. Mm. Can't do it. Other players can. <sighs> Frustrating. Frustrating. I went to see Top Gun on Thursday night, thinking, there we go, Rory's off to a great start, life is good, and, well, here we are, less than a week later, and, you know, it ain't. Anyway, loads more to come on this week's episode of The Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway. Do not go anywhere. When we think speed, we think about speed tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers. Really? I just think about hitting bombs. Yeah, past him. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know. But I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think... Oh, that's bomb! With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Nastier bombs. Think speed. Go rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance. Hello again. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway. Just before we move on from the USPGA one final time, we mentioned it just near the top of the show, Bryce, about the long par threes, which was one of people's many complaints about Southern Hills, the fact that we were watching par threes that were not far off par fours in places. I took to Twitter because I wanted to, you know, we all all talk about it, don't we? Like the best par threes in the world are under 150 yards and all that sort of stuff. I wanted to see if there are examples out there that people could provide of genuinely great 
par threes that are 200 yards and over. Some very, very good responses. I did not know that I am followed by as many people as have played Cypress Point as evidently I am. Oh. The 16th at Cypress. Look, we've all seen the pictures. It looks fantastic. I know two people who have actually played it for, for definite. And neither of them replied with it. So perhaps tea times are easier to come by at Cyprus than I thought. Or maybe people are just swayed by reputations. I don't know. But either way, yes, it could be. Could very well be a great party. It certainly looks at the 16th at Royal Port Rush, Calamity Corner. That was another very popular choice. We saw that in the Open in 19. Yes, I'm I'm on board with that. That's a, probably the best example. 17th at Pebble Beach. Is it? Definitely 200 yards plus. 17th at Pebble Beach. I'm going to let you look that up. I think it may be from the very backs, but regular Joes won't 17 or 7? 17. Oh, 7 is about 100 yards at most. about 90 yards. Yeah. You'd throw it on. I've seen people actually do that. But whilst you're looking that up, a few other examples that came up. It's 208 uh, yards. Is that the, the longest? There's a... T that's two twenty. Okay, fine. I'll I'll let I'll let you have that. And Clint Clint Edwards Eastwood owns the house next to it. Oh, does he? Yeah. Do you reckon he ever just stands there next to that hole and leans out over his fence and said, uh, "What you hitting?" <sighs> Probably going to go with a three. Probably not. Feel lucky. <laughs> well, do you? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Ali McIntosh suggested the seventeenth at ten. He says it's one of the toughest par threes in the north of Scotland. Christopher Chaddock. Chadwick, sorry, 17 again at JCB Country Club. That is a course we have to play. John Lawson, Fisher's Island number five. John very kindly shared a picture. I'm going to pin this tweet to the top of my Twitter profile at M McEwen Golf. If you just like looking at golf course pictures, I was going to say golf porn, that's different. If you like looking at golf course pictures, and you want to find some courses you've never seen before, go and check these out because some of these photos are great. Fisher's Island is one of them. Brandon. Brandon's just got one name on his Twitter account. Like Seal. Uh, at Golf Hunt Sale is his handle. Or McLovin. McLovin. Yes, McLovin. He's proposed the 15th at Sand Hollow. Great name. Looks great again. Tristan Nelko, the third at Sand Hills. AJ Willie. Okay. The third at Mauna Kea. Lots of very compelling options thrown up there. Lots of great pictures. Go and check out the thread. And if you want to add your own, please do. Bryce, before the break, we mentioned that I went to see Top Gun last week. I was very excited. Top Gun Maverick. I can confirm it's absolutely sensational. Genuinely great story. Is this the one you were sort of twinning your evening with Kate Middleton? Mm. She was in London. I was in Edinburgh. Technically, you were out together. Yes, we went to see the same film at the same time. The same time. Just we were not just in, in the different same, cities. Yeah. So, yes, it is actually a great film. The story is brilliant. For a start, it has a story, which the yep. first one didn't really. Yep. But the scenes inside the planes are sensational. I've never seen cinema like it. Brilliant. There's a good 30 minutes where you're just going, oh, this is fucking brilliant. It's so good. So please go and see it in IMAX. Don't watch it on a crap stream or laptop or whatever or any TV that's under 60 inches go to the cinema and see it but look that got me thinking Bryce 
call signs, obviously. Maverick. Oh, I thought you were going to be a pilot there. You can't. <laughs> you're too small. You, you get small pilots. Uh, well, you get Tom Cruise, to be fair. <laughs> yes. But my problem is my eyesight. eyesight. Yeah, yeah, you're blind. Yes. So I, I would be a terrible pilot. I could do the pilot voice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you on board this EasyJet flight from Glasgow that's, to Faro. That's the pilot voice. Yes. What's better than, hello there, folks, we're going to be flying today. <laughs> but no, I couldn't be a pilot. Instead, call signs. Top Gun, obviously famous for its call signs. Some great ones in the new movie, Hangman and Rooster and so on. It got me thinking about golfers and what professional golfers' call signs might be. So I have created a little list here of call signs for professional golfers based on their reputations. Ah. And it, it is your job to guess the golfer. Okay. So, for example, con man could be Patrick Reed. It's not, but that gives you an idea of where we're going with it. Okay, so okay. first up, call sign Einstein. Einstein. <laughs> That's got to be the shamble. Correct. Brilliant. One for one. Crybaby. Crybaby. Bubba. No. Oh. There's a case to be made. There's a case to be made for a few players, but this is based on more recent activity. Crybaby. As a caveat, I like the guy. I think he's so entertaining. He's great for the game. But this does fit. Oh. I'm now thinking it should be Bubba. That's <laughs> quite good to be uh, you're going along with someone who's complaining. Yes. Crybaby. Is it Brooks? No. He didn't like the way Augusta was set up for oh, him. Oh, Tyrrell. Yes, and he Cry didn't baby. like I think Tyrrell should else. be something more like anger. That he, uh, something to do with losing his temper. Don't know. Hothead, maybe. Crybaby Bubba does, does work beautifully, actually. Okay, promo. Promo, Ricky. Correct. <laughs> Chatterbox. Oh, Talk to me, Chatterbox. Uh, Gary Player. No. <laughs> I is. No, it's not. <laughs> He's crunches. Crunches. Chatterbox. You're going to kick yourself. You and Murray. No. Don't know. Jordan Spieth. Oh, it was relentless. Yeah. The talking he was doing to his golf oh. ball. A couple more. Dreamboat, Dreamboat. Adam Scott. Correct. Easy. Right. And finally, I'm really proud of this one. Passport. Passport. There's people listening to this right now. They're going it's because they've got it straight away. I don't have that straight away. Passport. Well, what does a passport imply? Uh, well, sure, he's Gary Player. No. Oh, he's travelled around the world 25 times. <laughs> In a day. <laughs> I don't know who it is. Born in South Africa, resident of the States, represents Slovakia. It can only be ah, Rory Sabatini. Rory Sabatini, yeah, yeah, passport. Yeah, yeah. Quite proud of that one. What would yours be? Uh, Booster <laughs> Midget uh, No Viking Because of my Norwegian links Yeah I think mine would just have to be my nickname Some of my pals call me Miami Why? Because Many years ago Oh I is went, this because like Miami Vice rhymes with Bryce Yes and I was out And I was dressed like Don Johnson So <laughs> Somebody called me Miami Bryce And it's just What the shirt jacket the, the suit jacket I was, was wearing a, I was wearing a burgundy shirt uh, Chinos And a 
pair of brown brogues. And somebody said, well, look, it's Miami Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> Even Tony Fina would say no yeah, to that. Yeah, it was a dreadful shirt, I have to say. And I deserved everything. <laughs> and the name, the name stuck. So. No, I, I think, yeah, that's fine. But I, I think something like Lurch for you would be quite good. <laughs> or Hightower. Skyscraper. I get called Hightower in uni. Did you? Just, yeah, it's nothing new. That And who's the big guy in the Bruins? Is it Henbrun? Oh, right, okay. Called that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, if mm. there's anyone out there listening and has some suggestions for what uh, what golfer call signs there could be, please get in touch. I would love to know. So you can share them with us at Bunkered Online on Twitter. You can share them with Bryce and I at M McEwen Golf at B Ritchie Golf. Get in touch. We'd love to hear what your suggestions. Be? <laughs> Next. <laughs> I nearly said it. Mm. Starts with SH. <laughs> R- rhymes with Alan McGregor. Yes. <laughs> and Tiger is never coming on the uh, podcast. He's never coming on it. No, he never was. Look, you and I, we are playing our first round of golf in each other's company this year, later this week. It's, it's slightly unusual. It's got to May and we haven't pegged it up yet, but. It's been a busy, busy start to the year. I know. Is it not? Well, the year's, the year's nearly halfway over. And Mental. I think I've, I've played golf. I've been on my golf course three times this year. Yeah, same. Yeah. Just as well we get good value for money. <laughs> Just as well, I <laughs> Nearly £100 a round. And a new clubhouse being built at yep. TPC Balfron Superb. also. So that's awesome. Looking and I've got, I spoke to Rolex, like in the uh, Rolex. The clocks? They have at all the TPCs. I think it's yeah. going above the... One of those clock tower things? Yep. That's yeah. really good. I'm no looking problem. forward to seeing that. No problem. That's a lie. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, that's not. Well, you n- never say never. I, okay? can a, I can get a plastic one. You can get a Rolex that's got two L's in it. I can sort you out with a guy who knows <laughs> where they are. But it is our first round together this week. And thought we'd just go over some ground about what it takes to be a good playing partner. Something a little bit different for you in, in this section of the pod this week. Because we we all have people that we like playing with. We all have people who maybe see in the T-sheet and the BRS or whatever it might be and actively avoid that person. But listen, Bryce, what... Just so I know for my own benefit for Thursday well, night's this round. Is, this, is, this is because we're playing with uh, some new boys in the team that we've yes, never played, exactly. played with before and we're a wee bit apprehensive that they might think you're a wee bit <laughs> No, we don't know. Like you know, you, when you play with somebody for the first time, that you know, you uh, you always wonder what they're going to be like. Yeah, and not just as a golfer, like as a as company. Yeah, well, so, you kind of know that anyway because we work with them. But it's company as a golfer, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it can be interesting. It can. So, for the benefit of the boys, if they're listening back to this, but for other people as well. Let's go straight to the negatives. What are the worst things that a playing partner can do, Bryce? The opposite of qualities in a playing partner. I don't know. Maybe ruin your cool. I think that. How do you mean? I played, I played Dougie Park and I played with one of my pals I haven't played golf with for a few years. We've been on trips together, but I've not actually played in his group. And I walk on and there's a bit of a crowd behind the first tee and my pal, <laughs> two of my mates I was playing with, one of them, he's got quite a slow swing, so he's just having a couple of practice swings. And my other 
pal stands on and, and you know him well and he's given it like 140 mile an hour ball speed practice wings and you <laughs> think what <laughs> what the hell and there's a crowd and you can see and it's a <laughs> and you're like and then he's like shaking the shoulders like this isn't the world long drive championship just chill out and I think that's a wee bit embarrassed I never like to be embarrassed mm-hmm. on the golf course I am very picky as a playing partner I'm very I'm full of critique but it's inward you like crit- things done a certain way yes it's inward critique and I can be I don't think I think I'm good fun to play with but I want you to know that when we are playing together, I'm critiquing the hell out of everything you're doing. Yeah, I mean that 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 does spell fun. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know. Of you course, know you're doing do. it. No, you, can, well, you don't know. I can, you can pick up on people's body language. I can tell no, when no, you're I having can, fun and when you're not. I can hide that. I'm immense at hiding. That. You are terrible at hiding that. No, you have no idea because you go very quiet. No, put it this way: I played with I played with Justin two, Thomas. Two I guys, know. No, I played with two guys on Sunday that I'd never um, I'd never met before. And one of them turned up with a black glove and I didn't see anything. A black glove. A Can black you believe glove? that? He actually turned up wearing a black glove. I never said anything. I kept my counsel. I could have said, look, it's a wee issue here. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but your glove's black. And I don't know Things that's you a, know that. That's a choice as well. I know it's a choice. That's borderline so, unacceptable. It's, that's like wearing a white belt. I know, but he didn't have iron head covers, and you always think oh, that's thank a God, bit, a bit weird. But that, no, my biggest, my biggest worry with a playing partner is that, and I know we have this issue with Jamie because Jamie's not playing Thursday night, so I'm thankful that that's the case. But I do have a huge issue if you talk too much. <laughs> The boy's been in the door a matter of months and here he is hearing on the podcast that he talks to. He's a cracking writer, great wit, but I would worry that he's, he's going to talk the ear off me and mm. around the golf and that's that's <laughs> concerning me. Because I don't, I like playing golf, but I don't, I, I, I don't want to hear your life story when we're playing golf. And I play with my brother-in-law and I can't shut him up. He doesn't listen to the podcast anyway, so who cares? But I can't, too he busy just, talking talks, to somebody. just talks constantly in the golf course. I'm a pal, my pal Dell. It's the same thing. You walk down the tee. We were, uh, we, we walked off at the Dukes. We played together at the Dukes last year, and he walked off the first tee. And the first thing he said to me was, "So you're going to talk to me, Jim?" That's really <laughs> cool. Really? I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just keep it tight, because he always wants to ask you if you've, if you've hit that shot the way you wanted to hit it, or why did you hit seven iron and oh. eight iron and." But why we just like, just worry about your own game? I, I, I don't mind that uh, in moderation. He'll do it in every hole, yeah, and he'll take notes. And then when you do something, he'll charge you back to six holes ago. But, but that's you did it nice. That, that shows he's interested. No, in I know, no, and I get all that. But it's an element of just shut it. The opposite is also true, though. See if you play with someone who's mute. That's a yeah, horrible experience. That's not a lot of fun. I think you know if we're going to accept that golf's a social game and all that jazz, then. There has to be a bit of give and take on this one. You need to, you need to have stuff to say. You can't just walk around with your head down, as you've sometimes done when you're in a mood. Just like, oh, get me off this golf course. That makes it crap for the people you're playing with. Yeah. Equally, too much of the old jabber jabber can it can wear you out. Yeah. Also, the the thing is, it's not just about 
socialising. You're there to try and play yeah. well. Put and it, if someone's putting you off what your process is... Put it this way, without naming names, we played with a colleague many years ago and I think he thought he was going to beat us, beat me. And then I played quite well and he ended up losing. And then the entire back nine, he went in a half. Yes. The entire back nine. So I could imagine... And it made it a bit of an unpleasant... An day. unpleasant experience mm-hmm. because he went in a half. And that can be quite... I get that. Some people get into the game and it upsets them, but I don't think I've ever gone in a huff. I might have gone silent for a couple of holes just as I want to go to my safe space. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> no idea. It's right next to the pain place. Yeah, it's easy to get those doors mixed up. Yeah, but no, I, I like uh, I like a bit of chat. Again, as we talked about with the PGA and its major status, you got to find that middle ground. you got to find middle ground when it comes to chat that's enough or just a bit too much or not enough. It's tricky. Can you cope with bad etiquette? No. What's the worst etiquette mistake? Little things like, um, I think we've, you, it's funny, the way the games change, used to be etiquette where used to people would pull you up saying, it's not your honour. Oh. Or it, 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 that used to happen. Used to get guys that would say that. Well, I, I believe it's not your honour. I bogeyed the last, and you you doubled. Yeah, yeah, so, so it's me that, to go. All first. that stuff, but that doesn't happen anymore because mm-hmm. people just say, like, let's just go on with it. Um, I think bad etiquette. My big thing for me is standing behind the hole when you're putting somebody standing in your sight line. That kind of does my head in. And somebody that moves when you're on the tee hitting your drive, mm, somebody okay. that's moving about or making a racket. That does my head in. Can't stand that. Yeah. A lot of people here right now who must be itching to play with you. And don't talk to my ball. I don't like that either. I'm with you completely on that. Yeah. That, I, that is so frustrating. It's like, ra- stop it. Rarely just on the green where people say things like, oh, that's in. No, don't <laughs> don't, don't say it's in. Because the karma gods will step in and go, actually, no, it's not. And that annoys me. I think it was a favour. Did Nick Faldo not tell somebody that he's caddying not to talk to his ball or something like that? Can't remember. There was a famous incident. Golf writer Mark Townsend was caddying for, I believe, Gary Wollstoneholme. Oh, that's right. And he said, "Don't talk to my ball." Yeah, Should I think I think the ball was in the air and it was needing to travel. And I think Mark just said something simple like, "Go, go," and before the ball landed, he'd been rebuked by really? Mister Wollstoneholme. Yes. Gary was always a lovely person, wasn't he? Never actually met him. Never spoke to him. But I've heard the stories. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I've never heard about it. We'll savage him anyway, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, when it comes to playing with total strangers, and I'm really guilty of this, I, I'll admit I prefer to go out of my way to avoid it. You know, <laughs> with medals and so on, if someone shows up or if you're away on holiday and you've got two of you and there's a single and the, the pro says, on you go, you I, just make a three ball. <sighs> I know, you're always a wee bit like, oh no. I played at Quinta a few years ago and myself and my brother-in-law, the one who does all the talking, uh, we were on the, <laughs> really always doesn't listen to this. Uh, we were on the tee at Quinta, something like, half seven in the morning on the south course and I was just praying that it would just be the two of us because he's also slow so this will take us all day we go on and there's two sort of 
women in their 70s and they were standing in the first team I thought oh no we're being paired up I was hoping it would just be the two of us and we had a proper laugh really with these two two ladies we had a total laugh they loved us whenever we had a big drive they were just whooping and hollering and well that's amazing it was just great we were giving them lessons and stuff it was hilarious we had a great time but then I also played Lorenzo is it San Lorenzo that week right no sorry Laranjal Played Laranjal that week. And same thing, we turn up with a two ball, we think maybe we're going to get paired. And we did, and we get paired with a couple. And the guy stuck his hand out and he said, Oh, hello. I said, Hi, how are you doing? I'm Bryce. Nice to meet you. This is Stuart. And he said, Oh, two jocks. Oh, no. And I thought, Oh, no. I'm going to drown you in the lake. <laughs> was, was that just like a nervous reaction I don't know part? and his wife was perfectly nice but you think why would you say that you know it's, it's how people take that and if, uh, if there's a chance that somebody might take offence at the word you're using then uh, just don't use just it don't use, use it. something else it's like oh you're from Scotland that yeah, would be yeah, a different way of handling it but it's the equivalent of someone walking onto the tea like hey guys what's happening you're like, oh you're an arsehole nice to meet you <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, yeah, I, I think I might have struggled with that as well. But that was the, during that round, the guy had said, the starter, you know, you're playing in amongst all the orange groves and it's nice and, mm. you know, you can help yourself to oranges, whatever. This guy filled his golf bag with oranges. <laughs> he could hardly get clubs in his bag. It was just filled with oranges. I was like, what are you going to do? Well, he must have taken about 40 of them home. You played Thought with the man from Del Monte. Yeah, he said you could have them. He didn't, you didn't have to take them. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, it's one thing picking up other golf balls that you find along the way, but Aye. to fill your pits with oranges. Oh, oh, Fair play to him. He's getting his five a day. Playing on your own. That's the other thing because I've written about this pretty extensively in the past. I love playing by myself. There are times that I'll go up to the golf course and I know that you live pretty close to it. Almost have to drive past your house to go there and I'll just blank me. Yeah, I wouldn't invite you because I do enjoy my own company on the course. Yeah, yeah. People maybe say I do it too often. There are some people who think it's just plain weird doing that. Is it? Yeah, it is weird. It is Why weird. though? Because golf's meant to be social, but you don't want to play no, it's your not. Own that's, all the that's, time. That's one person's interpretation of what golf's know, meant to be. Golf but, is whatever you want it to well, be. Well, put it this way: Do I find it weird that people want to play golf on their own all the time? Yes, it's just weird. Because you're only going to play your home course. It's not as if you're going to go down to Surrey and walk on to Warpleston Park and play by yourself. It's just weird. You go on holiday and play by yourself. That's bizarre. The reason that I like it, there's lots of reasons. One, I can just, I can go at my own pace. If I want to play fast one night, I can. If I want to play slow, I can play slow. If I want to stop and sit down on the bench and look at the hills, I can. And I'm not worrying about what other people are up to. I don't have to spend time looking for other people's balls. I can hit a couple of shots on a certain hole if I want to. I can work on different things. Basically, I'm beholden to nobody yeah, except myself. But do you want to I do that plug in all the time? No, no, not all the time. But yeah, that's I, I, fine. I like doing it probably get, more I, than I like playing with I, other people. I, I don't really have anything against that. That's all right. Mm. You're weird though. <laughs> but yeah, I, I am playing weird. in the four ball this week. So yeah, that's just don't talk too me. much. Yeah, I'll, I'll try my best not to. I, I'm, I'm nosy as well. Like we're, we're journalists, of course, we're nosy. When someone that I've not played golf with before walks onto the tee, I'm judging them straight away. I'm I'm 
I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator taking in absolutely all for, of the stuff they've got. Their the clothes, first thing their I, shoes, the first thing I go to is their shoes. Really? Yeah. First thing I go to is their shoes. My brother-in-law is still <laughs> this guy's wearing getting a pounding. I know because he's, he's tight. <laughs> That's fine. He's It'll never last. Still wearing a pair of golf shoes. I think cost him thirty-eight pounds. They're Nike, and they were like these all-weather plastic rubber things for the winter time. <laughs> and he's still wearing them. He wore them. I played with them about a month ago, and he was wearing them. Why are you wearing them? It's not. It's not for playing in a river. It's like, yeah. Why are you wearing those shoes? What do you think are habits that you've got that other people find annoying? It's, it's a tough question, isn't it? It's like my, judge one my, yourself. One of my pals when you go years, into an appraisal and someone says, "What are your strengths?" Yeah. Oh no! Don't <laughs> oh, is that a loaded gun you want me to put <laughs> to my head? I don't know. I don't, I've absolutely no idea. Probably my, my pal Dell used to used to say that he thought I was slow. Now and then, used to think I would maybe be a bit too deliberate over certain shots. What? Yeah. I actually think I'm really quick. But he said a few years ago he thought I'd quickened up. And I thought, why would you say that? Because you said you used to be a bit slow. Oh, maybe, I'm not maybe, he was, maybe he was talking about my brain space. Maybe he was just trying to get in your head. Yeah. Gamesmanship. I, I've never thought of you as slow. No, not at all. I tell you, it's funny. People get precious about slow play. I hate playing with people who are playing too really fast. Really quick. I know. It's not a race. I know. You don't some need to bit, sprint round. But some people are very quick. Um, the guy I played with on Sunday, very quick. He, he Sometimes he won't even have a practice swing. He'll just, the ball will be in the ground, he'll address it and bang, it's away. It's just, there's no messing. But sometimes I think that is actually quite refreshing. And he's not slow and he's not quick on everything. But he's certainly on tee shots. He's pretty quick. I'm trying to think, is there something that I do that would maybe annoy other people? I'll tell you on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's funny. I know that I can faff, like the amount of times that I'll go into my pocket, and even though I've put three of them in there, my ball markers have disappeared somehow. Aye. And then I'm off to the bag trying to find it. Tees, and I don't have tees in my pocket ready to go. There's there's things like that. Like even pitch mark repairers. I always think I have it in my pocket, but you don't, and I don't. No. And I just think, God, I must be really pissing people off just now. But it's certainly you, God, you're never happy. But yeah. Thursday will be fun. If the lads that are playing, Dexter and Lewis, are listening to this, now you know what to do and what not to do. It's simple. Get, get ready. Yes. Don't speak. <laughs> be quick. I, I need to ask, so we've got something to throw back in your face in November. What are you aiming to get out of this year? I know much of it's gone already, but come November, what would I you would, say is success? I would like. I was wanting single figures, but it's not going to happen. I would like to get to 10 but I put in a score then. I, I put in a general play score, Michael. Right, here we go. General play. I put in a general play score for the first time ever. A general play, whilst having a handicap, first time ever the other uh, the other day on Sunday, and I played honking golf. I thought, I'm just going to put it in anyway. But so the first time I'd used the Scottish Golf app to put in a general play score, and it was awesome. The and I app think, was? Yes, and I think that is... So easy, and it was refreshing. I haven't used it yet. Uh, you know what? I'll use it on Thursday. Yeah, well, but I'm going to use it again because I thought I need to get out playing. Well, you the feeling with a pencil in your hand, all that stuff, and I just I didn't play well. Don't need to use a pencil. I've got a bad phone for that. I've got an electric caddy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my the trolley's got all the bells and whistles. <laughs> I could put my score in a trolley. Pencil. 
Like, thanks for the environment. If I was going to use anything, I'd use a Mont Blanc. <laughs> so, no, I'd like to get to, I would like to, the idea was to get single figures, but I'm going to be honest, that's hard, probably not going to happen because I've just not played enough. You've gone the other way, haven't you? Yeah. What's it now? I think I'm, I'm now off 12.7, so I'm off 13 now, which is just ridiculous. I'm better than that. Well, you're not. Your handicap dictates exactly Shut how good up, you are. Shut up, Michael. <laughs> I love when people say that. Yeah, I'm a better player than that. No. No, actually, that's why the handicap exists, and that's why it's calculated Can we move on to the Podder of Merit, please? Oh, yeah, with glee, Bryce, with glee. USPGA last week. Bearing in mind, I completed victory in season four of Podder of Merit also last week thanks to John Ram's win in the Mexico Open 3-1 on the season standings to me so a brand new season started with PGA at Southern Hills Bryce you went for Scotty Scheffler the world number one who had won the Masters we spoke about this as Purple Patch had to end sometime and it did he missed the cut what happened don't actually know Strange. Maybe the wrong half of the draw it didn't help him. Yeah, I think he got caught in that. But uh, no. Surprised to see him miss the cut? Yes. I. Um, we did say when's it going to stop? When's it going to end? And it's happened. It has so, happened. Um, yeah. You know what will be really interesting? How he bounces back. Yep. Because he's had it all and he's played really well. But now he's got a, he's got a wee problem that he needs to step over. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see how he how he comes back. Who responds at Brooklyn? I think, I think the guy is absolute class, and I don't think it'll be a problem for him. Mm-hmm. Strange that he played the way he did at a course that he is so fond of as well. Mm-hmm. He loves Southern Hills, but I'm prepared to just mark it off as one of those weeks. Aye. Bad weather, bad fortune, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, didn't do you any favors. He missed the cut. I went for Justin Thomas. <laughs> Two events. Two wins on the bounce. And as it stands, after one week of season five, Bryce Nill, Michael two. Two points for the win. Two wins in a row. Two wins in a row. That's impressive, yeah. If only you could put money on at the bookies for that. I know, but, you know, gambling is a mugs game, Bryce. So, I don't need need Willie Hill's cash. Don't need it. This week... The Dutch Open's taking place in the DP World Tour. It's actually a really good field for that. Javier Ballesteros is one of those pegging it up. Lots of good players playing, but we're going to go with the Charles Schwab Challenge on the PGA Tour. <laughs> I'm not sure if that yawn is indicative of... Do you want Charles what Schwab is? Not a clue. No, day. Moving on. Thanks. Really added a lot there. Is it not insurance? <sighs> Don't know. It could be a beer for all I know. Look it up. Here we go. Bet it's financial. Charles Schwab Corporation is an American multinational financial services company, bank and stockbroker that offers an electronic trading platform. Blah, blah, blah. Boring. Boring. Anyway, they very kindly put their, their name to the title <laughs> of this week's event. Thank you. Thanks, lads. Thanks for the $7 so, million. <laughs> Where's it being played? <laughs> Colonial, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's colonial. Right. It remains my honour. So I am going for... You know what? I'm going for a guy that you've backed way too many times and who has never delivered the goods for you, but he showed up last week and produced a top... Certainly top ten. Maybe in top five in ties. So I'm going for Abraham Anzor. I know. I had a, a sign to life. I had a feeling on the Saturday night 
I stuck a tenner on him. And that was as good as it got. There's Start something about you two guys that it's not, train. you're not know. vibing as they would say. I like him, but it's like he doesn't like me. Yeah, uh, yeah no, he's a cracking player. Maybe he's heard what you're like to play with. Maybe it's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who are you going for this week? I'm actually going to go with Will Zalatoris. Really? Yes. Okay. I'd love to see the stats of how he's played the week after yeah. one of his major finishes. I know, I should really know that. But I go with feel. You're an instinctive positive yes. merit player. And it really has worked out so well for you to this point. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so Abraham answer for me. Will Zalatoris for Bryce. The Charles Schwab Challenge. Taking place at Colonial this week. Honesty box. Again, something a wee bit different, but you know, it's it's approaching summer and that's got us thinking about golf breaks and going away. The question's very simple, Bryce. Whereabouts on your own doorstep have you not played golf, but you're very conscious you should have by now? West Coast. Islands. Places like that. Not done that. Have you ever played golf on a Scottish island? No, I've actually only ever been when I was a kid. I went to Aaron. <laughs> I've not, I've not set foot in Aaron for thirty six years. You do not know what you're missing. I know, but I went to your joint, Orkney, a few years ago on holiday. That was great fun. Courses looked great, but no, I've not done that. I, but I also want to go and I want to go to places like Ullapool and Durness. I think. Darnay, look at pictures of Darnay and I just think oh my god I want to go there but it does, you have that feeling it takes a lot of effort to get there so you need to mix something in but I think I have been an old pal from school got in touch and he's, is it Isle of Harris where Askinish is? South Uist. South Uist. where's South Uist? I don't even know. Hebrides where the hell's that? Off the west coast don't worry about it too much so yeah, it's probably a good reason I've not been there because I don't know where it is. <laughs> I'm not. Sur- I mean, your Scottish geography is famously Sketchy. terrible. Yeah, it's famously terrible. Was it not? And I can't believe it has taken until episode what is this seventy something, eighty something, for me to point out that many years ago. Oh, here we go. We were. Oh, this is great. Contracted to do a job for super fast ferries that went between Rosyth and Zeebrugge. Yeah, they're going to love this. And. We had to do various different travel sections. One of those was the city of Edinburgh. And Bryce, I recall, tapping away at his computer like this, just relentless. And after about half an hour it was of good non-stop pose. that, after I'd subbed it, after about half an hour of non-stop frantic typing, Bryce's head pops up and he looks over to me and says, see, in Edinburgh, can you see the castle from Princess Street? <laughs> And yeah. I wasn't long in the door at that point, and I'm thinking, is this guy taking the piss? <laughs> <laughs> is, 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 this, is this a test? Like, but there's, yes, there's, famously. There is good reason for that. I had I had never been. How had you never been to I had, Edinburgh? I had never been. Even if you'd know, I how, only, how did I tell you not you what, know? I only went to Edinburgh. I, is it George Street? Yeah, parallel I had to only, Princess yes, Street. I'd only, I went to George Street, I swear I'm not making this up, I went to George Street for the first time in my life about 10 years ago. That is not a word of a lie. I had never been. So I had never been, I had never, until that time, 
I had never once in my entire life walked down Princess Street. So if I'd walked down in Princess Street, the first time I went, oh yeah, that was a bloody castle. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant right in the city. I mean, that is brilliant. Look, God, I know you don't know what you know, but that's... I know. That's, that's I, wild. I, I get it, but I'd never been. But it reminds me of a time we went on holiday to Seattle and we were in a hotel bar in Seattle and Stuart is obsessed with going to see, is it Mount Rainier? Which is about three or four hours drive. It's a famous volcanic, whatever it is. Mount Rainier is hugely famous on that side of America. I were talking to the guy in the bar. No, what's Mount Rainier like? And the guy in the bar was like, I don't know, I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Are you from here? Yep. And that's the same as me. I've just not been. I can't explain why that happened. I blame my parents. But I'd, I'd never been to Edinburgh. That's the, that's the fascinating thing for me. Like you, you spent a large chunk of your childhood or teens in Brussels. Yes. But you True. I lived abroad. You, you knew nothing about our capital city. Yes. Really weird. Uh-huh. Was there not someone that worked here that thought St Andrews was in England? Really? I'm sure there was at one Hopefully point. Hopefully they got fired. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, or, that's, or beaten. There, there is a St Andrews in England. Birmingham play there. Yeah. That's their home ground. It's also but, Gotham. Yes, near Woodhall Spa, where yeah. England golf's headquartered. That, that's very true. But famously, in a golf context, St Andrews is in Scotland, and if you're going to work for a golf company, probably ought, ought to know that. that. Yep. But no, I, look, I agree with you. Back to the original point of the honesty box, a lot of the West Coast needs explored. Askernish, I think we're going to do that. Yes. That has to be done. It looks awesome. We've been given an invite. Oh, great the only problem is you need to fly. That's fine. You're you're worried about the fact it's a, a twin propeller and it's one of those yeah. eight-seater numbers where you can see the pilot. Well, did you not hear that story a few weeks ago with a guy in America who was on a plane and he radioed in and said to the air traffic control, oh, how you doing? Uh, my pilot's not responding. I'm on my own and I don't really know how to fly a plane. <laughs> you're joking. No. His pilot was unconscious and he was on a two-seater. It wasn't a two-seater. It was like an eight-seater. But it was just him and the pilot, and he radioed in and said, how'd you fly this thing? <laughs> and this guy on the ground, who just happened to be like a part-time pilot, talked him through the controls behind the flight desk, whatever it's called. That's and, impressive. And taught him down, and one of the things was he said, when I land this thing, how'd you stop it? The guy landed the plane. Fair play. Was the I'm, pilot Okay. I'd, I've I'd not heard, so I suspect maybe not, but I've, I could probably Google it again, but it was a couple of weeks old. But it sounds that, like the weekend at Bernie's. That could happen to us. Nah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Honestly, the, the statistics, not not even entertaining that idea. Happened last week. So, you're more worried about it than I am. Remember, I used to fly from Orkney to Wick, which is a 15-minute flight. Yeah, so. I, I've, got, I've got a pal who's a pilot. And some of the stuff he says doesn't fill me with confidence. Then don't listen to it. Bin him. You don't need a pal. No. He's all right. Is he? Yeah. Okay. But look, Askernish, yeah, that's happening. Looking forward to that. I also, yeah, Durness. Great shout. But just along the road from Durness, you've got Ray. Yeah. R-E-A-Y. Looks amazing. That looks stunning. Yeah. That whole North Coast 500 route. There's an awful lot of good golf courses up there. I've never played, never played Brora. I would like to do that, but it's an undertaking. It's an undertaking. It needs four or five days to do, 
And I'm not camping. It's not happening. There's not many five-star hotels along the route. Well, we'd have to build one. Because <laughs> I'm not... I am not sleeping in a tent and doing it in the woods. It's not happening. I need a hotel with a bed and hot water. You're not precious at all, are you? I just have standards. I think, I think people listening to this podcast, if they've made it this far, congratulations. But I imagine <laughs> there's people at this point who are forming an opinion about you, Mr. Richie. That's fine. He shakes his head. He shakes his head, listeners. That's what he thinks of you. He's shaking his head. (laughs) I'll say this. It's been a way more professional episode than last week. (laughs) (laughs) But alas, it is over. That is all we have time for this week. I'll let you know how I get on playing in the company of (laughs) Price on on Thursday and other lads as well. I, I hope they know what they're letting themselves in for. I hope they're ready for it. But... Yes, thank you for your time. As always, Bryce, it's much appreciated. I'll let you get back to doing whatever highfalutin thing it is that you have to do. Thank you for listening, ladies and gents. Always a pleasure to have your company. Thank you to Callaway for their continued support in this podcast. Impressively, they didn't pull the plug after After week one. And we will be back this time next week. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.